0: Ah, it's good to see you all. Uh, Second to last week of our parable series, I'm going to preach on my favorite parable. Is everybody game for that? Yeah, Yeah, me too. Um, It's my favorite parable for a couple reasons. Number one. I think, uh, I think it best fits uh, the, what our church is doing, sort of the ministry that we have here as a church, our calling as a church, uh, and I like it for that reason, and I like it because um, Jesus uh, is being super controversial. That's really the main reason I like it. Um, we all love a little controversy, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And we love it when Jesus is controversial. At least I do. And so I like it for that reason, too. I like the controversy around it. I love the fact that Jesus is talking to religious leaders when he's uh, giving this parable and kind of messing with their paradigm, which means Jesus is messing with our paradigm. right? That's a good thing. Uh, I love preaching on it. I preached on this once before. If you were here in May of 2015, my apologies. You've heard something very similar. Um, If you haven't been here since May of 2015, this will all be new, so that's good. Uh, But let's go ahead and start. You want to hear this really controversial parable? You all want to hear it? It's really All right, you ready? It shocked the people when Jesus said it, and it's going to shock you. Jesus said, what's the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It's like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Told you it was controversial. (laughs) You feel that? Nobody feels that, do you? Uh, How many people grew up with kind of a mustard seed um, as part of your faith? Mustard seed mattered, right? A a few of you? Yeah. Mustard seed was a big part of my faith. And I think the narrative when it comes to Jesus talking about mustard seeds usually goes something like this. First of all, it's connotated with faith. Right? You have the faith of a mustard seed. And so the story is you have a little bit of faith. And what does a little bit of faith do? A little bit of faith uh, allows you to move mountains. Right? It becomes this big thing. Um, uh, if we're going to simplify this, and maybe it's not fair, but I'm going to simplify it anyway, it's basically the idea that God helps those who help themselves. Right? The idea that, that just a little bit of faith gets us a long way. So if we have just a little bit of faith, faith of a mustard seed, we are going to grow into something bigger. We're going to get the job that we were looking to get Our relationships will look a lot healthier. We will be healed from the thing that we need to be healed from. Uh, Our shame will be eradicated so long as we have that little bit of faith. Because that's what the kingdom of God looks like. Just a little bit gets us to a big, powerful, mighty place. That is the kingdom of heaven. And like I said, simplifying it, God helps those who help themselves. Juby's dad used to say that to her all the time. Juby's just standing up here. Um, she's, yeah, she's my spouse. I guess we talked about that. Anyway, um, yeah, so, so God helps those who helps themselves. Juby's dad would say it to her all the time. God helps those who helps themselves. So Juby would think to herself, just a little bit of faith, faith of a mustard seed. And then that's the kingdom of heaven. That's the kingdom of God, right? God helps those who helps themselves. All throughout Juby's life, her dad said that. And then one day when Juby was an adult, she looked it up and it's not in our Bible at all. It was said by Benjamin Franklin. (laughs) And this is the issue. The issue is that we have taken this mustard seed parable and we have equated it with American exceptionalism. That is what we have done with the American narrative. Because the American narrative sounds pretty similar, doesn't it? That we can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, and if we just work hard, we'll be successful, right? If we just work hard, if we help ourselves, we're going to get those things that we want. And that's the narrative that we say for everybody. It's not systems, it's not powers, it's not principalities, it's you. And if you have the right faith, if you have the right work ethic, then you too will be successful. You too will be a part of God's kingdom. And that's not it at all. And isn't that the beauty of parables? Jesus tells them he's usually subverting something, usually making things uh, a lot harder for us. And that's what Jesus is doing for us right now. So why is it controversial? Well, we have to hear it like the religious leaders of the time heard it. So I'm going to help us to understand how the religious leaders of the time heard it, okay? It's better, it's better if we uh, reshape this parable to sound something like this. The parable, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a video that goes viral and ruins someone's life, (laughs) right? And we laugh at that poor guy, but a two-minute Google search showed me that there was 50, 60, 70 people whose lives were ruined by viral videos. The kingdom of heaven is like the AIDS virus in the 1980s. The kingdom of heaven is like the red algae that goes into the ocean, killing marine life and killing humans as well. The kingdom of heaven is like a stomach virus on a cruise ship. That's how we have to hear this. That's the way that the religious leaders of the time heard it. It's how we need to hear it. So, when Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven becoming this tall, big, mighty mustard tree with birds in there, with birds um, perching in its branches, we think it looks something like that, right? That's what we think it looks like. And we're not going to show the other one just yet. What we're going to do is we're going to talk about why it wasn't like this at all. In fact, what we need to know first and foremost is that in the time of Jesus, the mustard seed was illegal. It was an illegal seed to own, to have, to plant. Did y'all know that? It was like a drug. Why was it illegal? It was illegal um, because it would grow so fast and it would grow so quickly that it would choke everything else out in your field or wherever you lived on your property. In fact, if you had an enemy, you know what you would do to your enemy? You'd take a few mustard seeds and throw it into their property because that's how quickly the mustard plant, not tree, the mustard plant grew. It grew so fast that it would mess up everything, choke everything else out. And here's the kicker. Here's the kicker, the mustard plant would become a pest issue, because what would happen is snakes, rats, vermin, these weird birds, all this would see this and they would use it as shelter. So all of a sudden all those things that are undesirable, that's what lived in the mustard plant. The mustard plant wasn't this big tree, this was actually the mustard plant right here. That's what it looked like. Now, are we starting to get a glimpse of why this is controversial? You're starting to get a glimpse, maybe, what the kingdom of heaven looks like. The kingdom of heaven looks like something that chokes everything else out, the so called good stuff out, and then becomes a haven, a place of security for the lowly things the rats, those birds, the snakes, the bugs. Hmm. Jesus is kind of consistent, isn't he? (laughs) We don't like this narrative. I don't like I'll speak for myself. I don't love this narrative. I don't want it to be like this. And neither did the people of Jesus' time. The people of Jesus' time, I say this every Sunday, they're under the rule of the Roman Empire. Right? So they're waiting for the Messiah to come and free them from that. They like the mustard seed, they like the mustard seed story the way we like it, that eventually we're gonna be big and powerful and strong. In fact, the religious leaders of the day they read the prophets while they were waiting for this Messiah. Here's what the prophet Ezekiel says says this this is what the sovereign lord says I myself self will take a shoot from the very top of the cedar and plant it. I will break off a tender sprig from its topmost shoots and plant it on, high, on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain heights of Israel I will plant it. It will produce branches and bear fruit and become a splendid cedar. Birds of every kind will nest in it. They will find shelter in the shade of its branches. And all the trees of the forest will know that I, the Lord, bring down the tall tree and make the low tree grow tall. I dry up the green tree and make the dry tree flourish. I, the Lord, have spoken and will do it. And so we we have the imagery of a cedar tree, right? the cedar of Lebanon, which is this really cool, powerful, kind of strong tree. There's bigger ones than the this one, but this one fit the best on the slides. So that's why we use it. And so so that's what the people are waiting for. They're waiting for a Messiah who is going to come and say the kingdom of heaven is like the shoot of a cedar. And don't worry, pretty soon you are going to be strong. And pretty soon, you're going to be warrior-like. And pretty soon, you're going to answer to nobody. And pretty soon, it's going to be all about you at the top and nobody else at the top. It's all about you being powerful. That's what they wanted to hear. And then Jesus goes, nah, nah, kingdom of heaven. It's like this illegal thing that you don't want any part of. It's that. <sighs> Can you see the people going, uh? I think they go, uh. the same reason that I do that. You know what happens when the kingdom of heaven is the mustard tree? When the kingdom of heaven is the cedar of Lebanon? You know what happens? I'm in control. I get to control the way things work out. Because now it's about me having that little bit of faith. It's about me doing the right things in order to be blessed. And it's about me moving up the ladder in order to become the powerful part of the kingdom of God. It's all about me. I am in control. I become my own God. And here's the other thing that gets taken out of it. Love. We say God is love. The greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And when we think about the kingdom of heaven as being a mustard seed that grows big and mighty, love gets taken out of the equation. I don't have to love anybody. I don't have to love myself. All I need to do is follow the right platitudes and make sure I have the right kind of faith and the blessings, the power comes my way. And if the blessing and power isn't coming your way, that's on you. That is your fault because you don't have the faith that I have. Do you see how we take God out of the equation when we make it about being big and being powerful? We take God out of the equation. We don't have to be loved or to love anybody else. All we have to do is do these right things that, we can check off the boxes and say we have faith. That leaves me pretty insecure because there are times in my life, have there ever been times in your life where things don't go right? Yep. Yeah. And here's the thing, what we do is we believe the lie that when things aren't going right, that we must have done something to offend God because of it, right? Well, God thinks this way about me, or, or, or life isn't going the way it should be, or I, I feel this shame, I'm experiencing it. God must be upset. You know what you all do? And I'm saying you all, it's not really you all, it's like four people. But you know what, what happens? People come to me all the time, and you know what they say? They say, Jonathan, I'm sorry. And I'm like, what are you sorry for? And I'm like, well, my life is going good, not all that well, and I'm pretty sure it has to do with the fact that I haven't prayed in a while. Again, it has nothing to do with love, it has everything to do with actions that get us to a bigger place, right? And I'm like, what are you talking about? God's not sitting up there with a scoreboard deciding whether or not you're worthy of being a part of the kingdom of heaven. But yet, when we see the mustard seed look like this, as this big, powerful thing, of course that's what it is. We want to get to that place. We have to shift the way we see that. Here's how we shift the way we see it we think about the mustard seed and why it's illegal all over again. Why is it illegal? It's illegal because the mustard seed, when it starts to grow, that plant, that weed, it doesn't stop at a patch of carrots and be like, oh, no, I'm going to leave this patch of carrots alone. It doesn't do that. It doesn't stop at a tree and go, oh, if this tree just moves a little bit closer to me, then this tree will be okay and I can wrap my vines around it. It doesn't do that, right? It doesn't even say, oh, that's concrete. I can't get in the concrete. And y'all, we live in New York. We know what weeds look like in concrete, right? The mustard, the mustard plant, the mustard weed that thing gets its way up through the concrete as well and creates green like you have never seen before. Nothing stops it. And what Jesus is saying in this parable, he's saying it's not about power, not at all about power. He's saying there is nothing that is stopping you from the love of the kingdom of God. Nothing. I don't care how low you are. I don't care how despised you are. I don't care how marginalized you have been. I don't care how impressed you have been. I don't care how people have told you that you should be ashamed. I don't care. This thing is going to spread and it's already tangling itself around you. And the only thing you can do is be secure in it. Just like the other low things. That's it. There's nothing else you could do. It's already happening. The priest, Robert Farrakopan, whose book we're using during this series, he says this. He says, there is no choice. For every second of the time, the weed is the weed. Therefore, every second that the world has been our world, it's already spreading this kingdom. Its progress through history is not unkingdom to kingdom, but rather kingdom as mystery to the kingdom made manifest. And in other words, this generous kingdom, this viral kingdom, this weed-filled kingdom is unavoidable. It's already working. It's just our job to point it out to one another. That's what it's about. Here's the thing. How do we start pointing it out to one another? Little ways. Little ways. We remind people that we are loved. We remind people that we can love ourselves the way God loves us. That's the thing. Sarah New uh, said this one time, and I think she's absolutely right. She says a lot of the times the reasons we focus so much on platitudes, the reason we focus so much on, on getting ahead and getting up top and, and the, big, the big powerful kingdom is because we don't love ourselves. When We bring love into the equation it messes with everything, messes with our, our worth, and it's easier for us to do those six or seven things that get us powerful rather than just accept the fact that we are loved. How do we start? Accept the fact that you are loved today. And there are some people at this church, in fact, there's a lot of people at this church who have been told that they are not loved. Whether it be because of orientation, whether it be because uh, of how you identify, whether it be because you are depressed or have anxiety, whether it be because you are ashamed or have been abused, you are told, oh, well, you're not, you're not quite loved. Your life's not going well because you're not doing the thing you need to do. That's a lie. Today, the way to be a part of this viral kingdom is to simply accept the fact that there's nothing you can do to avoid the love of God. That is it. Ooh, that's good news, right? Yeah. yeah, I like that. I don't believe it all the time, but I like it. What else do we do? Let's continue to tell the good stories about this viral kingdom, and let's change the way we think about this viral kingdom. Let's think about it like, um, like, hey, let's think about it like the ice bucket challenge. That was a good viral thing, right? Raised 115 million dollars allowed scientists to to isolate the gene that that they think causes ALS. So let's think about that kind of virus, that kind of viral kingdom. And so with this viral kingdom, we have people coming to our church, and the people that come to our church say those things like, I never thought I could worship again. And we get to say, no, this is what the kingdom of God looks like, a really ugly plant. Welcome. We're glad you're a part of it, right? That's a good thing, because what it does is it's going to create security for you in ways that you didn't even know you had security. And there's some of us coming in here, and they're like, but I'm the concrete. Because I've been burned by the church, I don't even know if I believe in God. Welcome to the club, by the way. I don't even know. I'm just here. This this feels, I'm skeptical. Good. Guess what? You can't avoid the kingdom of God. It's wrapping itself around you, poking through your concrete, and giving you the security whether you want it or not. You don't have a choice. Some of you have said, I'm broken because I've done X, or because I identify as X. Guess what? You have no choice choice. God sees you as their child, whether you like it or not. That's the beauty of this kingdom. It's also why it's my favorite. Yeah. A friend of mine who goes to our church her name is Bree. She just came out as trans last year. And I was just talking with her in the lobby last week. She's a coach for us. And I said, how you doing today? And she said, whenever I can walk into a church, it's a good day. Holy crap, right? That that would have to be something that she thinks about as being a good day but that's the kingdom of God. We are enacting the kingdom of God for Brie and every other person like her that's been told that they don't have enough faith and they're not mighty enough and God doesn't love them. We are creating the ugly, ugly plant and allowing every one of us to feel secure in it. Let's point that out for everybody, right? I went to this conference last month and at this conference I was one of three religious people there. It was not a religious conference at all. And people would say, what do you do? And I'd say, I'm a pastor. And they'd say, see you later. But then but then they'd say, well, tell me about what you do. And I would talk about our church. And I would talk about how our community is a community that wants to promote flourishing through Jesus Christ. About how we have a calling to let people know that, that there's flourishing that happens here. That we're legitimately saving lives. And they're like, we didn't know about this. And I said, I know. And they said, get the word out. And that's how the viral kingdom spreads, right? The viral kingdom spreads every time someone like Bree walks through these doors and says, it's a good day when I could be at church. And then we let other people know and the viral kingdom spreads. Amen. The viral kingdom spreads every time we look at someone who's been oppressed and marginalized and hurt. Someone who's been told that they're not enough or someone whose systems are completely against them. We look at them and we say, hey, this is really hard. I don't know what you're going through, but I know you're loved. And I'm here to stand alongside you and bring this kingdom And here's the thing for someone like me, white, straight, male, privileged, right? For me, the narrative of pulling yourself up by the bootstraps or the narrative of just having enough faith and getting whatever I want, that's a real narrative for somebody like me. In general, that's going to work for a white, straight, cis man. But here's what we get to do. And here is what we get to do. We get to go into the plant, and we get to go in there, and at the direction of those who are pressed and marginalized, and told we are less than, we get to go sh- uh, show that kingdom to others. We get to work alongside, not just going, oh, I hope it all works out, but being on the ground with them and say, and, and listening. And, and when they tell us what to do, we say, good, we can do this. We can bring others into this plant, and others into this kingdom, and others into a place where they know that the love of God is unavoidable for them too. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to accomplish. And the viral kingdom spreads. And I think about the first Christians, right? Jesus dies. Jesus is resurrected. And Jesus says, go to the ends of the earth. And you know what they all did? They sat there legitimately for a while. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was courage. And it was the courage to go like, wow, if the kingdom's really like a mustard seed, then this thing's unavoidable. Then all we can do is point others to it. So then they go to the Greeks And all the religious leaders are like, You're not allowed to go to the Greeks. That's against the law. And they're like, No, not in this kingdom. They go to the Greeks. Then they go to the other Gentiles. And the the leaders are like, You're not allowed to go to the other Gentiles. They're like, No, actually, this kingdom's for everybody. And then it spreads North Africa, the Middle East. And 2,000 years later, and it spread in some really awful ways. We should acknowledge that. But 2,000 years later, we we are here. And we are here. And we can confront the awfulness. We can apologize for the awfulness. But then we get to say, You know what? We're going to reclaim this kingdom. Because thank God the kingdom of heaven was never a giant tree. Thank God it was never that. And thank God the kingdom of heaven is this ugly plant. Thank (laughs) God. And now we have the privilege to bring this to everyone. (laughs) (laughs) And I can't think of anything better. Amen? Amen? Why don't we pray? God, thank you, for, um, thank you for the inclusivity of your kingdom, God. When you say, God so loved the world, you mean it. God so loves all of us, and thank you for creating a kingdom that recognizes and sees that. Even the lowest of the low, even the worst of the worst, even those who have been lied to. Thank you, God. God, help us to believe that you love us. We believe. Help that unbelief. And God, when we get it wrong, thank you for the grace that comes with getting it wrong. But give us the courage to go out and invite others into it. Give us the courage to get that part right. Pray this in your name. Amen.